You're listening to a Columbia Journalism Review podcast. Today we're talking with Craig Silverman, the editor of RegretTheError.com and a weekly columnist for the Columbia Journalism Review website, CJR.org. He is also the managing editor of PBS Media Shift and the author of Regret the Error, How Media Mistakes Pollute the Press and Imperil Free Speech. Hi, Craig. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, glad to be here. So, Craig, you are our expert on errors and corrections that news organizations make, and you often bring our attention to funny little typos, awkward apologies that news organizations make in the course of reporting. But your latest column for CJR.org is about a pretty big mistake that uh, we don't think has gotten nearly enough attention involving the reporting of the WikiLeaks cables. So um, can you sum up for us what happened there and how did you first find out about it? Sure. Uh, You know, it's true. A lot of corrections and errors are are good for a laugh. They're good for a chuckle. But then there's other kinds of mistakes uh, or corrections that are, you know, often kind of shocking or are really distressing to the folks involved. And um, so it was probably, I guess, about over over the Christmas holiday that uh, I saw a post by NPR's ombudsman, Alicia Shepard, where she detailed the fact that over a course of, over a while, this persistent listener had been getting in touch with them and saying, listen, your reporters get on the air and they keep saying that WikiLeaks, with all of its diplomatic cables, has released publicly all, you know, roughly 250,000 of them. Uh, And he was repeatedly emailing folks at NPR and telling them that, in fact, if you look at the data, WikiLeaks has only released roughly about 2,000 of the full cash of about a quarter million diplomatic cables. You know, this is something that this listener had to repeatedly go after them for. Finally, Alicia sort of stepped in and said, you know what, he's right. And so they, they ran a correction. She ran a blog post. And from there, if you started paying attention to this, you would pick up, you know, uh, you could pick up a newspaper, you could do your reading online from very large media outlets. And the, the number of them that are reporting that WikiLeaks has released 250,000 cables, has publicly released 250,000 cables, has done a data dump of 250,000 cables, all of these different terms. Mm-hmm. And the larger point to all of this, of course, aside from getting a very important fact very wrong, is that there's so much debate about WikiLeaks and what it's doing. And so much of that debate centers on, well, they just put it out there. They don't do any verification. Well, if you're citing that 250,000 number as an example of how they just put things out there, you're wrong. And I think a lot of people's opinion of WikiLeaks has been clouded by that incorrect number, and those of us in the press are just pushing it out there. Right. It's a very confusing thing. Um, And I think the word release and the words data dump and document dump are words that people need to be careful about because they have these meanings to readers. It's very true, and and it really gets to the point of, of how powerful language can be in shaping how we perceive something. So when people talk about a data dump, I think that it's pretty safe to say that that implies that there is access to this data somewhere. It's been dumped somewhere. Um, But it's interesting to mention the Times, in fact, because they've been there sort of all along. And I was in touch with the senior editor who oversees corrections in the New York Times, Greg Brock, and I asked him, you know, have you guys been making this mistake? And he said, well, you know what? The reality is that the New York Times is in possession of all 250,000 diplomatic cables. Mm -hmm. So when they talk about the cables having been released, they're probably technically correct in that the cables have been released to the New York Times. If they were saying they've been publicly released, they'd be wrong. Um, But when I talked to Brock, um, he agreed with me. And I quote him in the column saying that, you know, I think you're correct that the language being used causes the confusion. Released means different things to different readers. So there is a lot of confusion 
being created by, in some cases, just really inelegant or poor choices of language by news organizations. And in other cases, I think, you know, they genuinely get it wrong and, and don't know what the correct thing is. And, of course, our job is, is to, you know, to be right. But it's also, I think, to help people understand what's going on. And when you're not exact about your language, about an important number like this or an important situation in general, what we're doing is really the antithesis of what we're supposed to be doing, which is that we're creating confusion rather than providing clarity. So what other news organizations have apologized for this or at least corrected the information? And what other news outlets should we be looking at for corrections in the future? Well, at this point, of ones that I'm aware of, um, NPR obviously did a correction. There's a blog post from their ombudsman. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, after my my column appeared, uh, I heard from from the New York Times that as much as they have been good about accurately reflecting um, the number in their reporting, there was actually a slip up, I believe, in today. Uh, so they're at, they're going to be issuing a correction um, perhaps tomorrow or early next week. So expect a correction from the New York Times. Politico has corrected. Um, and yesterday, The Guardian corrected as well. So those are the ones that, that I'm aware of right now. Um, in terms of other organizations that have gotten it wrong, um, UPI, Christian Science Monitor, New York Daily News, the AP, I actually saw um, that Der Spiegel, the German weekly that has in the past received some of the leaks from WikiLeaks, and, and I've written about previously before as well because they have a gigantic fact-checking department of roughly about 80 people. Um, they, in fact, got it wrong on their English site. So even organizations that have, in fact, worked closely with WikiLeaks, like Der Spiegel, seem to be getting this wrong. So my hope is we're going to see more corrections because so many folks have gotten it wrong. In your opinion, are corrections in the insides of a newspaper or in a little post on the website going far enough? Or do you think that this might require something larger? I think that with any kind of mistake, you want to think about how you can do your best to make sure that the people who have the incorrect info get the correct info. So a blog post from an editor, from an ombudsman, is a great way to help spread that. Um, I think for news organizations, if they have been routinely sharing their reporting about WikiLeaks and this number on Twitter and on Facebook, they should make an effort to place that correction in those same places. Because our, our reporting is being shared and distributed in so many ways now, I think that corrections don't really live up to their potential and their mandate if all we do is put them on a blog post or put them on an article. Mm -hmm. If that article has been shared and re-reported and cited, you need to sort of think about all the places that it's, it's been and try to get the correction there as well. Craig Silverman, author of Regret the Error, How Media Mistakes Pollute the Press and Imperil Free Speech and editor of Regret the Error website. Thank you so much for talking with us today about this. Thank you. This has been a Columbia Journalism Review podcast produced by Lauren Kirchner. Theme music by Tim Hoyt. Visit CJR.org for fresh media criticism and behind-the-scenes stories every day and to subscribe to the prize-winning magazine now in its 50th year. The Columbia Journalism Review at CJR.org. Strong press, strong democracy.